G'day Inverse community, I'm Jared McKenna and I can't tell you how excited I am about my co-host Dr Drew Hart's new book, Who Will Be a Witness? Igniting Activism for God's Justice, Love and Deliverance. To quote that towering 20th century figure of God's justice, love and deliverance, Abraham Joshua Heschel, there are no final proofs for the existence of God. There are only witnesses. For Heschel, much like the Hebrew prophets and that nonviolent Messiah of justice named Jesus, faith is not merely to be believed, faith is to be embodied. Drew Hart is fast becoming a go-to voice for articulating a practical and prophetic embodied faith in our time. In these additional episodes, alongside our regular interviews, I think you'll hear why. Over the next coming weeks, we will interview friends and co-workers in what John Lewis called Good Trouble to discuss chapter by chapter Doc Drew's new book. These conversations were recorded in community with friends from around the world as part of Inverse's ongoing work to create formation experiences that deepen our witness to God's justice, love and deliverance. So grace and peace to you. Enjoy this conversation on this chapter in Drew's new book. I am excited to introduce uh, Reverend Michael McBride. Um, welcome back. He's a familiar person to the Inverse community. Welcome to the Inverse community, uh, Reverend Mike McBride. Uh, he is the founder of the Way Christian Center in West Berkeley, where he presently serves as the lead pastor. He's director for the Live Free Campaign with Faith in Action. Uh, which addresses gun violence and mass incarceration of young people, young people of color. He is also the co-founder of the Black Church Pack. Um, and maybe you've seen uh, him and Steve Kerr together doing work. Um, and he um, is just somebody that we deeply respect. And of course, uh, anybody that's seen the cover of my book know that he is also the one that wrote the foreword to Who Will Be a Witness as well. So welcome to the Inverse community, uh, brother. What it do, what it do. Glad to be here with y'all and uh, sorry to be a little late, see the late black preacher to the group, but uh, I'm uh, glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, um, talking about love is not always the funnest thing. Um, but, um, when um, we're sometimes we're in a moment where, you know, frustrated angry, um, uh, maybe struggling to make sense of how people could be so committed to evil and injustice. Um, and then we have this message of love. And I, I, when I wrote um, this chapter, it was like one of those things where like, I know I've got to talk about love. Um, and, and I deeply believe in it, but I also like, some of me doesn't want to, right? I don't, um, but, but, but also um, like that is what compels me in the work that I do also, right? Is my love for others and the way that I've understood God's love. And um, yeah, I, I guess I'm curious as you think about this call to love God and love neighbor and how central it is um, to Christian faith, how do you see keeping love at the center? Um, like, how does that sustain 
your witness in the work that you do? Well, you know, I I am someone who believes in the ethic of love. Uh, I'm someone who who hopefully is fueled by love and hope and joy and peace, the fruit of the spirit, the virtues, all these these wonderful, rich theological uh, concepts that are in scripture. Um, yeah. I am a fan of westernized Christian notions of love right, that right. Uh, let uh, imperialists and uh, genocide and, 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 and systemic and structural violence run amok um, right. while we feel paralyzed by Jesus' call to love our enemies, as if that means um, you don't attempt to, as Jesse Jackson said in a, in a um, and I think John Lewis said this as well, you know, uh, defeat them through nonviolent efforts. And the right. greatest nonviolent tool we have is to vote, right, or to use, you know, advocacy efforts to disrupt the machines of death among us. And so I'm someone who, who is committed to love. I, you know, some folks are harder to love than others. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I do believe that um, to to be moved by love means to center the vulnerable among us, right. and not our enemies. Um, I think, you know, ethic of love is about making sure the vulnerable among us are at the center of our of our um, actions and reflections. And those who are who are afflicting harm to the vulnerable among us, our love compels us to uh, act in ways that cause them to lose their influence and power to afflict harm. Um, that, I, I feel like that's that's at least one of the ways I try to think about it in real time. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Can you share a little bit about the work that you do with um, the Live Free campaign? I'm, I don't assume that everyone understands what that is um, and the kind of work that you're doing with Faith in Action. Yeah, so the Live Free campaign is a about 10 years old campaign that has been literally about ensuring we disrupt cycles of gun violence in Black and Brown communities. We interrupt the mass incarceration and criminalization of black and brown uh, human beings in this country, and that we um, end voter suppression, uh, the the actions that uh, deny uh, mostly black folks, but others, the ability to vote. Uh, And then since Ferguson, we've also rolled out a very robust effort to end state or police violence in this country. Uh, we organize, uh, I'd say 70% of our organizing work is done in churches and congregations across the country. Um, we do also organize street organizations. Other people call those gangs or cliques or um, crews. Um, we work uh, to organize people with criminal convictions as well. Um, and then we organize lots of kind of, I call them church adjacent or post-Christian young people. who yeah. have a defense of justice but can't stand the expression of the institutionalized thing we call the church. And so we organize all across the country to, to end gun violence, mass incarceration, police violence, and voter suppression. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, I think that it's precisely all those things are what people are looking for the church to do. Right. Um, And where the church, when the church is actually doing that, it has a, 
really powerful public witness. And when the church fails to do that, I think that um, you see even in the black church, people, young people fleeing the church when they're not engaging with the issues that are deeply impacting them and their communities. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As, as we, th- yeah, as we think about um, love and like, and you already touched on the idea that, you know, you're opposed to the Western notions of love. I'm curious, like some of the way that I think about it is one way of thinking about love is uh, through sentimentalization, basically, right? Making it all about sentimentality. Um, But then there's a kind of political love, right? In terms of seeing the power of love in the public square um, precisely to work for those that are most vulnerable. I'm curious, how do you think about love? And um, as you're thinking about these contrasting notions that people bring as they're thinking through this? Well, you know, I, I am someone who, who appreciates the, um, you know, the differentiation of love in, in the biblical text, right? Like, I think sometimes the language is, uh, limit our imagination around the way that word is used in scripture. You know, obviously, you know, familiar love, erotic love, um, uh, social love, but also the connections to justice and the connections uh, to righteousness, the connections to rightly ordered social relationships, right? So I, I do believe that um, we must, as a church, develop a deep theological textured imagination around what does love look like in the public square and how does that love em- e- emerge from the love we have of God, of self, and of those who uh, first we know and then those we don't know. Love is not an abstract concept. Love is very concrete. And so if we form people to love poorly in their personal relationships, I think they are often less susceptible to loving poorly in their social relationships. Woo, I feel like I just yeah. preached a word right there. I think hey. I, I think hey. it's that first time ever. My God. <laughs> so. I, I do think there's there's a certain kind of challenge in Western culture, particularly America, because this country's human hierarchy that centers whiteness literally creates a certain kind of self-hatred yeah. of pretty much every single person in this country, because very few people are able to actually hit the top of the totem pole that is white, wealthy men, elites. Right. And yeah. so if you yeah. can't hit that, then you're kind of wishing that you were something more than you are. And then and then the grind, the slow grind for the rest of your life of of realizing that I, I can't fully uh, love myself or love my family or love my community because I'm always reaching for something that is outside of me rather than seeing that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are an act of God's love, our creation. Yeah is an act of God's love. And what does it mean then to bask in that for the whole of our lives and then live the rest of our lives passing that love on to others? And so politics then becomes, I think, the kind of playground where our worst uh, uh, perversions of love (laughs) are enacted among one another um, because of the fear that we are often, you know, peddled. Um, And some of it is real fear. But a lot of it, I think, is is manufactured. And, and so 
Um, I think we need to we need to continue to to really have a theological imagination, but also have a practice or a practice that allows us to love ourselves and God and one another well. And hopefully that begins to get reflected in the way we practice politics in a polis in a in a social context. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of the how I phrase in the book, you know, I I use the phrase um, love gap, right, that there's this gap of um, ways in which, you know, different communities were socialized not to love certain people, right? And I think that that's unfortunately just as true in the church, if not maybe more so in the church, right? I think you could argue based on ongoing polls that sometimes um, white and Christian, just Christian in general, um, sometimes people are more likely to be socialized to not love certain folks, right? And it reminds me of an experience I had in the classroom last year, I was teaching a course and we had done, uh, we had read The Color of Money, right? With students, mostly white students um, in that classroom at that time. And we read The Color of Money. It was, I teach first year seminars. So I teach a couple of courses that are not my theology and I can kind of do what I want with them. And so we're reading The Color of Money and they're getting it. They're reading it. They're understanding the history. They're seeing how black people were exploited and left out of the um, economic, um, from economic participation. And then when we get to the end, um, the strangest thing happened. My students, like a couple of the white male students, they explicitly said, um, after seeing all that had been on and then this argument around reparations comes up and they were, their first response was, well, this doesn't seem fair because it's gonna hurt white people. And I was thinking like, this just seems like a very strange response to reading about how black people were like what. And, and the only thing I could come up with for why that happened was that they had been socialized in such a way that their racial belonging was whiteness. And that's all they could be thinking about, even after just learning about the detailed history of how black people were intentionally excluded. Right. And so I think about this love gap in the way that, um, it functions, and not only by race, but in a whole variety of ways that we're socialized to um, not be able to have that compassion to then action towards folks, right, in the public square. And it does start, um, like, if you can't do that in the little ways, how's that going to manifest um, in terms of working towards actual justice? Um, and so I don't know if you've seen examples like, you know, but but that's for me that I can never forget. Uh, and I challenged him. I said, there seems to be something off about racial belonging that's constricting your capacity to love black people. <laughs> um, like something was off about how they've been formed in the world, right? And I think that, um, yeah, sometimes it's hard for us to see how we've been formed and socialized to love or not love others. Yeah, well, I, 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 uh, I'm, I tell people often that one of the most important roles of the church in this era is to disciple people away from racism. Yeah. Um, disciple people away from um, the hierarchies. Um, right. This doesn't mean that, you know, roles, relationships um, that are grounded in mutuality don't um, have agreements that both folks are, are or all folks are, are kind of creating a covenant to, to, to um, live out. But I, I do think we are, as a as a religious project of discipleship called discipleship we have a discipleship crisis in this country and it's it's not just along race it's along right. gender it's yep. uh, sexuality it's along yep. class it's along yep. 
the environment. Like we, yep. uh, it appears, <laughs> I don't mean no harm, but it appears the longer people are Christians in the United States, mm. the less human mm. we become. Mm. And I don't know exactly what that's about, yep. but it's a problem. And we know it's a problem, by the way, we don't love not just each other, but ourselves and creation. It's just like, you right. know, we, we create an alternate reality out of the ethereal and neglect that, which is so concrete in front of us. And then like get upset when people point it out to us. It's a deep right. thing, man. Yeah. Of course, when, when you bring up the concreteness of injustice, right. You know, you feel like you're taking the, the lollipop or the pacifier out your pocket. You getting you getting the short end of the stick when you're actually trying to help you to not choke off the bone, you know, of injustice that is not just harming those who are oppressed. But if 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 Franz Fanon is right, and I think he is on this point, and I'm I think, you know, this bears itself out of scripture as well. Um, when you resort to violence to defeat the violent, you yourself become that which you hate, right? Yeah. And right. so there has to be a certain kind of of redemptive work that does not use, Audre Lorde says, the the tools of the master tools, to tear right. down the uh, right. you know, King says darkness cannot drive out light, you know. I mean I mean, yeah, darkness can wait, what did you say? Hate cannot drive out hate and darkness cannot drive out darkness only love and life love can do that. Right. right yes you know jesus has all kinds of ways to say it too but sometimes mm -hmm. i think we need to hear more voices than jesus because jesus don't seem to resonate with a lot of us anymore <laughs> <laughs> you can't hear jesus well he's been so domesticated <laughs> so domesticated and colonized that he doesn't he seems to be something else right i call him a He's been used and turned into a mascot for the status quo. And so people can't Ooh. even see or hear Jesus anymore. Yeah. God today. You said a word, brother. Yeah. Um, yeah. But speaking of Jesus, though, we'll, we, we will turn to Jesus. Thinking about, I mean, so if Jesus in his life and teaching centers the love ethic, right? Um, where do you see the love ethic connecting with a theology of liberation? Where, where does love and, and liberation meet and intersect mm. wow that's 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 where does love the love ethic of jesus and liberation intersect yeah well you know i'm a fourth generation holiness pentecostal which means you know we speak in tongues and we 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 roll on the floor we swing from the chandeliers and on a good sunday we levitate right so um you know, <laughs> I'm one of these people who really love scripture. I believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. Um, and so I, I want to believe that um, the ethic of Jesus' love is, is one that requires a deep kind of like infusion, fueling, and guidance of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, and the scripture says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. Mm -hmm. That's right. Uh, and that um, if, if we go all the way back to the beginning, the earliest text that we have in the book of Genesis and the early creation narratives, and it talks about the spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the deep and, and God breathed into humanity, 
uh, his spirit and man became a living soul. And so from the beginning, wherever you see the spirit showing up, you see freedom. You see, you see space, right, right. for possibility. And so I think, I think that if, if, if life is the greatest expression of God's love to humanity, right, life as a gift, life through salvation, life through discipleship, abundant life, then liberation has to be about how do we ensure that everyone gets those sets of possibilities, right? The possibility to fail and not be killed. The possibility to make mistakes and not be disqualified. Um, the possibilities to be different and not be oppressed. Yeah. And so I think liberation has to be grounded in um, this kind of sensibility of, of love that is expressed through the gift of life and life lived with the multiplicity of possibilities that mm. allow human beings to flourish and, and, and not be overly um, obsessed with restriction. And I know that's hard for us as human beings who come from particularly many of us, and I'm one of these, who who are raised in Christian fundamentalist spaces where we've been taught that, you know, true freedom is about what you don't do, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, you don't smoke, you don't drink, you don't sex, that's freedom, touch your neighbor. Right. But it's kind of like, I mean, what, what if, what if freedom is not about what you don't do? It's about um, our, as Augustine, you used Augustine a lot. And I, if I read Augustine correctly, you know, freedom or liberty is about, you know, not having the free uh, free will is not about having the ability to choose um, what you would do. It's about, in in many respects, having the choice and choosing right every time. Right? That 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 it is about our capacity to choose rightly, and that when our order our desires are misordered or disordered, then we don't choose rightly, and that disordered choice making is what creates a kind of, you know, uh, 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 conundrum that creates the bondage and the oppression that we, we see. And so I, I feel like I'm rambling now, I, but I, I do want to, to believe that there's a certain kind of intersection between love and liberation that is about ensuring human beings live out life with all of the possibilities given to us knowing that the power of God's spirit um, will, will um, meet us at the point of our needs. And we as human beings don't oppress others through the kind of hierarchies and the restrictions that um, are often about power and not really about people's well-being. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's powerful. Yeah. I, you, you gave a much more profound answer than I was expecting. <laughs> um, I was going to just be like, you know, Love is the um, just uh, liberation is a concrete expression of love. But then you went way deeper, um, and I think that's <laughs> important, though. I mean, because the I'll say next time. I'll I'll, uh, I'll 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 say that next time. I'll no, 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 no. You said you you right on the money. I mean, I think the, the the commitment to the flourishing of all people, but then not in the abstract. What does it actually mean for actual people, concretely, right? Um, mm -hmm. and for their lived possibilities, I think. Because um, I, I think why that's so important, right, is because 
um, just going back to your previous statement or your previous example, um, often the the liberation of oppressed peoples will often feel like to the privilege they are losing out. <laughs> right. Right. On some. Right? right. Because in their mind, like they're moving out of a scarcity framework versus out of the endless possibilities. Right. I mean, just think what God created that out of abundance of love. God created creation with more than enough. More than enough, right. Enough for everybody. So I'm, I'm a science fiction person, so I'm just totally like mesmerized by all these new reports every day. Like there's a new report about a planet they found that's made out of lava and rains rocks. It's like Darth Vader's like, you know, hideout planet, right? And it's just kind of like all this abundance out there in space that we don't even get a chance to explore. I want to imagine that that's how God creates life for us yeah. here on this on this finite planet called Earth. Like we have abundance of resources, of experiences, of people, but our restrictions cheat us from the ability to explore mm. and fully realize that. And that is what causes oppression, right? Because scarcity makes me think that I have to hoard and 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 compete and and harm to protect the little piece of the pie that I have. When in reality, you don't even have enough capacity to hold everything that you even look at every day, much less you'll experience in your whole life. And so I do I do hope that we can continue to make these things much more concrete and not so not so uh, esoteric. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, for me, um, and towards the end of the chapter, I I talk about Jonah uh, to think about. I, I talk about restorative love and and talk about Jonah and and I did it like kind of confessionally, right? To talk about the times you mentioned at the, at the start of our conversation. Some folks are hard to love, right? Um, <laughs> and Including me. I'm sorry, right. I'd be like, oh, we're all, all of us, right? Each and every. But, but, but I, I like, you know, in general, like if, if just in a casual conversation, you know, I can wax all great about, you know, the importance of love and I'll be quoting Dr. King. Love is the most potent weapon to, you know, transform. It can, it can convert even an enemy into a friend, right? And, and it sounds great. And then there's that, like this one specific example. And I'm like, yo, these folks need to get what's coming to them, right? Um, like I'm, I'm just being like real honest. Like that's how I. There's certain times, like let me let me tell you this funny story. I hope I don't offend okay. nobody, but yeah, yeah. I was pre a couple couple years ago. And, you know, I was talking to to a congregation. I was preaching at a guest church. You know, when you preach at another church, you can say like super like you know edgy things because you know right. you out of there in thirty right. minutes, right? So that's right. You know, I. I I was preaching and I said, you know, I, there was a time, you know, I was really trying to buy into like, you know, the universalism, you know, like, you know, origin and the early church, you know, right. fathers and mothers where, you know, there's no such thing as hell and everybody's right. going to heaven. And then Donald Trump got elected. And then I said to myself, somebody got to go to hell. I don't, I don't know who exactly. Who. And so, it, it don't and make so, sense anymore, right? Universal. I don't know anymore. Just kind of question it. I was like, that 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 was a moment where I felt like, man, my grace is not as amazing as it needs to be because all it took was one election and that thing just shrunk real it's quick. Shrunk. It was like, yep, 
hell is real it's hot and somebody's got to go so yeah there there seems to be a person or two in our lives that that make us realize how hard it is to love certain folks for sure yeah and I, I, it's precisely i mean that's why i resonate with jonah's because i mean it, what is fascinating to me is jonah gets who god is i mean that's that's what's fascinating he he understands god is a loving god a gracious god um, ready to to change his mind, right? Wanting people to to find restoration. I mean, that in some ways that becomes his nightmare. I mean, it's, his night his problem is not you know uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God. That's not that's not what's keeping him up at night. It's 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 the sinners in the hands of a loving God when he doesn't want a loving God for those folks, right? Um, and I think that that's that's really the challenge for me um, as I think about you know the how far will God's love and grace really extend, right? Is is in these really hard moments where there's folks where, you know, I'll be honest, I, I just, I, I, I want, I deep internally, something just seems wrong, right? No, God, be a loving God in, in all other kinds of ways, but this moment you gotta be punitive, right? Yeah, but this this is where I think, you know, in those moments we should turn away from, you know, the focus on loving those folks who are hard to love yeah. and 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 bask in in loving the vulnerable among us, right? Yeah. Like I think sometimes we we waste energy um trying to figure out how to apply love to our enemies, quote unquote, whoever those may be, rather than practicing well and mastering the love to those who are not our enemies, but they're just hard to love, right? And and I think it's almost like a muscle. Um, you know, you, you master or you strengthen your muscles with weights incrementally. Like you don't like, you know, you don't start with the 45 pound weight plates on the, on the 45, you know, pound, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, um, dumbbell, right? You know, like you, you, you start slower, right? And you build up to that. And and there are people who are just, I think, they're not our enemies, but they're still hard to love. But I think the grace of God can incrementally teach us how to love hard folks. And in the loving hard folks, the people you thought were your enemies end up becoming less of your enemy because you're developing a muscle to love more deeply and more more broadly right um and and so i i try to do that admittedly you don't always get get the opportunity to pick who comes into your life in that kind of way you know and when the cops beat me up in, back in 1999 it wasn't like i was asking god to help me to learn how to love my abusers <laughs> you know right right, um, right. but it did take a, at least a decade for me to work through the trauma of that and i and in that process i had to learn how to love you know, white conservative Christians more, you know, um, and that was a, you know, you know, that that was that same process of learning to love people who I felt were my enemies eventually became some of my friends. And now I feel like I, I have more capacity to love um, certain folks that I just didn't imagine before. So I just think I think it's really important to, you know, not not put so much pressure on ourselves all the time to start with the hardest people who to love maybe maybe think of it incrementally i don't know 
Yeah. I mean, I think for me, um, and maybe it's because it's with Thurman in my head a little bit, just love being the answer to not falling into hate and bitterness, which was going to destroy my own quality of life. Right. Um, and so, and maybe that's maybe another connection between love and liberation, that it's a liberative thing. Um, not in the sense of like going out of our way to chase down <laughs> oppressors, right? That's not what I'm talking about. Um, but the kind of healing that can happen on the inside for us um, as we reject hatred and find our healing um, in the midst of what we go through. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, was there anything else before we go? Anything? Um, was there anything uh, from the chapter that you wanted to mention or highlight or before we go? Like we go, like we're done. We go. Yeah, yeah. Before we wrap up, oh. um, so it's a, it's a, these are much shorter than our normal inverse episodes. So these are like quick. Man, I, <laughs> I was ready to talk to you for two hours, brother. I was like, man, I, I don't <laughs> fuck with. It. I mean, I I was I was compelled by you. You already mentioned the love gap, you know, but I also was was compelled about um, the part in here about I think it was love, love and. Uh, uh, orthodoxy, orthopraxy, or, oh, yeah. right. And so, you know, I, I do worry. Um, I do worry, particularly in this moment, where, you know, we're literally seeing um, evangelicals, um, white evangelicals, primarily, um, publicly, publicly, um, like trying to, it appears they're trying to like uh, um, dismantle the country. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't yeah. necessarily know exactly what they're trying to do, but this, this whole thing around the election is a fraud, and 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 it's not, it, you know, like this is a bizarre but dangerous moment that I think love requires us to speak boldly out against it and to hold people accountable for the kinds of practices that are happening publicly that um, are making space for someone who is very diabolical in their plans mm -hmm. uh, to pounce, right? But right. I, don't, I don't believe that the, the average evangelical voter who votes for Trump um, is interested in in an authoritarian co country, but I do think that Donald Trump is, <laughs> right, and, and the people around him definitely are, and it appears to me that, um, like I was talking with a very prominent black church leader today who wanted to engage Paula White in a discussion around a lot of her shenanigans. And um, and I, I counseled her and I said, I think you should you should not give her a platform because I think she is a very dangerous person because she's 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 very cunning in how she's using scripture and the kind of orthodoxy of Christian faith, the orthopraxis of certain Christian faith and even the orthopath just use your terms. Right to manipulate people into thinking that we're all really on the same team. We just don't agree on politics. When in actuality, 
there's another project that's happening there. Right. And, and, and this influencer told me, but don't you think we should show her love? And I was fascinated by that, that response, right? Because in her right. mind, showing her love means that yes, I guess right. we must coddle her. We can't right. call her out publicly. Right. We right. think doing is wrong. It's harmful. Right. It's hurtful. On yeah. and on and on. And so I do think that it's really important for us in this moment for Christians, particularly white Christians, white evangelicals or ex-evangelicals, or who I already described myself, to 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 not hide in this moment. You know, right. Dietrich talked about cheap grace. Right. And he talked about the 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 risk that German Christians in the immediate uh aftermath of or in the duration of 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 Hitler's regime were not able to fully be faithful to the moment because of their silence or they're just kind of going along to get along or just being numb or blind to it. And, and so I do think we should not allow love to, to, to silence our voices around public critique. If these individuals like Paula White and others who claim to be prophets are boldly like proclaiming falsehoods, we must boldly refute them. That's right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, just to bear witness, I think. Right. Um, and to ensure people are not are not being deceived. And so I, I do think your your nexus of orthodoxy, orthopraxis, and orthopathy is very powerful. And, and I do hope that as we continue to think up what does it mean to live faithfully in this moment, that all of us, um, all of us ask ourselves how can we be more more um, more concrete in the way we demonstrate this love particularly in a, in a very kind of public manner. Yeah. <laughs> so good. This is so good. Well, um, I wish we could continue this conversation much longer, but we're going to have to go now. Thank you for dropping in. Um, always a pleasure being in conversation with you and blessings in your ongoing work. Um, I know that you've been, uh, I'm confident that this past week has been, uh, you've been on more than most people have been on, I'm sure. So grateful for all that you do and your witness. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me, and uh, um, let's stay connected, everyone. God bless. Great, great work, great job, great book. I hope y'all bought it and memorized it. If you want to be part of this growing global community, you can find more details on our Inverse Patreon page. We are seeking to practice a Jubilee economics to make these experiences accessible to everyone, wherever you're found be it in remote communities in the Kimberley or a township in Cape Town or downtown Berlin or on the south side of Chicago or the suburbs of Sydney. We want to make this accessible for you. So let's work to do that together.